0: When you lead by helping, you, you usually get the best of your players. When they, when they feel that you try to help them, uh, they usually give their best.
1: Another season in the books. The podcast featuring current and former professional athletes. They come from all over the world, and many spent their college years studying and playing in the United States. We talk athletics, academics, and, because life is so interesting, a little bit of everything else. My favorites, food and cultural differences. I'm your host, Leslie Knight, 14-year vet in Europe's professional basketball leagues. I played one year in Switzerland, and I'm currently on my 13th year in Spain with the club Movistar Estudiantes in Spain's top women's league, La Liga Femenina Endesa. All right, it's about that time, so let's get to it! Today is a different kind of day. Today, I interview a Spanish coach. However, the whole interview is in English. Jota Cuspinera has been coaching for over 30 years. His first season as a head coach dates back to 1990 with the pre-mini team in Estudiantes, the legendary club in Madrid, Spain. From there, he has continued to coach at every level, pre-infantil, infantil, cadete, junior, EVA, and the ACB. For eight years, he also served as the technical director for Estudiantes' feeder program, He coached the 16 and under Spanish national team to a gold medal in 2006 and a silver medal in 2007. He coached under Pepu Hernandez on the senior national team in 2007, where they took home a silver medal in the Eurobasket competition. For seven years, he coached as an assistant on several different Euroleague teams, including Real Madrid from 2009 to 2014. He has developed scouting software. He currently provides coaching courses online. He's got a degree in agricultural engineering. He plays the guitar and actually made his first guitar the other day with his own two hands. And he is learning how to play the drums. He composes his own music and who knows what else he does in his free time. He's a jack of all trades and it sure was fun to chat with him the other day down by the Manzanares River here in Madrid. And I apologize for the background music that was coming from the restaurant speaker system. I did the best that I could with the microphones. However, there is some background noise, so I apologize in advance. But uh, without further ado, here is Jota Cuspinera. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. How are you?
0: Uh, good morning. Thank you very much for inviting me here. Um, it's my pleasure. Uh, I'm really excited to, to go with it. And I excuse myself before I apologize if my English I commit some mistakes before I had. So just for you to know, I speak normal English, but uh, sometimes I get stuck. So if this happens, I just apologize.
1: No worries. I'll probably make mistakes in English too, so. Um, But before we start, I'm really just curious. This is just an interest of mine, Jota Cuspinera. Does anybody call you Jota C, or does everybody just call you Jota? It's
0: Jota. (laughs) Jota uh, Jota is a Spanish letter, the letter J, Mm
1: -hmm. it
0: comes from JR, my name is Jose Ramon, Uh. it's a compounded name, and the two initials are JR, at the beginning it was from a a TV show from the United States called Dallas, Uh, people from my generation know it, Uh, the bad guy was called (laughs) JR, so they started when I was seven years old, they started calling me JR, and at the end it ended up being J, that's Jota in Spanish.
1: Uh because my my little girl is ruby Faye, and when i write messages i say rf just because it's shorter yes. and a friend of mine said the other day that's really american when you just call somebody by their initials <laughs> so then jota cuspinera i was like maybe people call him Jota Faye, and that's really american but just jota, no, jota, yes, jota. okay yeah. jota's jota well uh jota can you um remember or tell me what do you think is your first sports memory as a little kid. It doesn't have to be basketball. No, but it,
0: it wasn't basketball. I arrived to basketball when I was 16. So I remember playing uh, what we call here football sala, which is a small soccer. Mm-hmm. It's indoor soccer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, I was the goalkeeper. <laughs> and I was receiving goals under my legs. <laughs> and my parents were saying, you are so bad playing as a goalkeeper. <laughs> but that's, that's my first uh, memory. The first memory comes to my mind. related to sports.
1: Football Sala. We don't have that, I don't think, um, in the United States. It's not very common. But, um, okay, so you started playing Football Sala, and then would you say that you grew up in a sports-minded family?
0: Yeah? Yeah, I did, because when I was playing uh, that uh, indoor soccer, it was in in what we call here clubs, where uh, on the weekends you go on... It was a tennis club, for instance, uh, where my parents... uh, when they're there are the weekends to play tennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you also have other activities. One of them was uh, indoor soccer. Okay. And that's what I joined. But uh, I was there the whole weekend with my parents playing sports. Mm-hmm. So I, I also learned to play tennis. And I played tennis for a while. But then I got tired of tennis <laughs> and moved on.
1: Okay. Well, because I was wondering, you've been coaching now for more than 30 years. And the people in my life that are coaches, a good friend of mine, Uh, She comes from a family of coaches, so I'm wondering: Are there other coaches in your family? No,
0: no, not at all. There, uh, well, my my mother was just a home mom Mm -hmm. uh, with her duties, and my father worked. uh, He was a specialist in marketing. He worked for Kodak, and uh, well, they liked sports, but they never coached sports. Okay. So the thing is, if you want to know where my coaching skills come from, it was uh, I joined basketball when I was 16. I was playing handball at that time, but I remember that when we were to start the season that year, we weren't people enough to to build a team. So our coach told us that well, we were given 10 or 14 days to see if we can make somebody else join the team, but we didn't, so...
1: Marketing, you had to improve your marketing. (laughs) So
0: we couldn't couldn't achieve it. And I remember I was with uh, two of my best friends playing handball. And when, when they told us that uh, we were not going to be able to play a handball anymore that season, we just were st- standing there in the court. We just looked to the side, and they were playing basketball. So we, we just got into the basketball court, asked the coach if we can join. He said, for sure. And we doing basketball. That was when I was 16. Wow. Then I, I played basketball for one year at school, and then I joined a, a club close to my house. And the, the coach, uh, the That coached me in that club which is La Roza's here in Madrid was the the person responsible for the coaches courses and he was he wasn't feeling one of them so he said he told us his players that we had to join that course when we were 16 that was the minimum age where you can where you can start uh, to coach and I told him uh, man I don't want to I don't want to become a coach and he uh, he made it mandatory for me he said, you got to join it, and you will sometime be grateful for this. <laughs> so wow. I always remind it, remember it, because okay. uh, it's like if, if that didn't happen, I don't know what my life would look like yeah. right yeah. now. It, <laughs> it could
1: have taken a yeah. completely different path. Yeah,
0: so I I, I went through that course. Uh, I didn't coach till two years later, okay. but uh, that's where it all, all started for me.
1: And did you continue playing at the same time? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I kept playing two years in La Rozas and then I was uh, brought into Estudiantes. I attended uh, the test they have to, mm-hmm. to make players from outside join the teams. Yeah. Yeah, you know it uh, because you've been there. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, they, they selected me and I, I played for Estudiantes, the uh, junior team, uh, for two years. Mm-hmm. I played with people like Nacho Azofora, Alberto Herreros, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> historical ACB players. Yep. Right now, I wasn't as good as them, but I played with them and when I ended those two years uh, in Estudiantes, Pep Hernández was my coach at that time. Okay. uh, Well, I I wanted to keep playing and I went to what it was the second division here in Spain Uh, but I had an injury Mm. uh, that forced me to retire too early and uh, Pep Hernández, who was my coach, he said well uh, maybe you cannot make it as a player but as a coach you start a new career. So he gave me because he was the sports director for the youth teams. Okay. He gave me the Benjamín, which is 10 years old team, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I started there wow. when I was uh, 18 years old, wow. 18,
1: 19. And at the same time, you're also studying. You're in high school, or you're...
0: Wow. Yeah, I ended, I ended my, uh, my high school here in Spain, and I was starting to attend college, but okay. uh, that was not the truth. I mean, <laughs> I was uh, enrolled.
1: Okay. But I didn't attend <laughs> but any. But you class. didn't go to class. No, because because
0: all my afternoons were dedicated to. I was coaching this uh, ten years old uh, team, but I also was the assistant coach in the under fourteen team, and I was the delegate for the EBA team.
1: Wow. So I
0: was all around. I mean, uh, and all my afternoons were uh, spent at the at the club, just learning how to coach, yeah. Learning to to see basketball in a different way, and well, I wasn't attending too much uh, the classes, <laughs> so. Uh, I did finish my career, uh-huh. but it took me a lot of years.
1: Okay, wow! But so you were from the from the beginning. You were enganchado. You were like addicted. I mean, you from going from saying that I don't want to be a coach to all of a sudden now you're involved in three different teams. Yeah. That's a lot.
0: Yeah, uh, I guess that I started to like it. Uh, I always said that if I couldn't have been a basketball coach, I would have been a teacher. Okay. Teaching is something I, I enjoy. So. Coaching is mm-hmm. a way of teaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started liking it. And as I told you, it, it was I was offering myself to any team in the club, in Estudiantes, that could want to have me uh, enrolled on their team. And that's why I was attending three, uh, three teams at the same time. And I grew up with that. And uh, I guess there was something special that somebody saw in me because they liked the way I, I was mm-hmm. doing things and they, they helped me grow.
1: And your parents? What were they thinking? Did well, they, they did they know that you nah, weren't attending class? No, nah, <laughs> but they were paying. Yeah,
0: but uh, <laughs> they, they didn't know uh, I wasn't attending classes. Okay. Uh, so uh, they're not gonna listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't know. Uh, but they knew two years after because uh, I was starting uh, starting to earn enough money to live by myself although I stayed at my parents' house for a long time. Okay, but I was earning a lot, of, uh, not a lot, enough money to live by myself, to uh-huh. pay my expenses. So what I did is uh, I told them that this may become a way of, of getting my, my life through, and, well, they supported me. They said, okay. do whatever you want, that's up to you, you gotta be happy in your life, and if you think this is your path, yes, go ahead. We will be here to support you. The only thing they asked me is, finish your career. Doesn't matter how long it takes, but please finish uh, finish your career, and that's a, a promise I fulfilled.
1: Yeah. Uh, some mm. years after. That that was going to be my next question because your degree was in uh, in English. How do you say that in Ag- Spanish? Agri-
0: agriculture engineer.
1: Agriculture engineering. Um, and you know, being an engineer is like, ooh, you're yeah. an engineer. <laughs> you know, you you probably have a good salary. Uh, it's a uh, what do I want to say? It's a, it's a job that will provide, you know, year after year. So the fact that your parents said, we support you in coaching, that's pretty impressive. It is. Because a lot of parents would say, that's not gonna put food on your table. You know,
0: I guess uh, it's a hobby. Yeah, I guess uh, I was lucky. That's for sure. But that's the way uh, my my parents see life. It's not how much money you make. For sure, they want you to make enough money to but uh, it's like, you gotta be happy. If you're not happy with wh- what you are doing, then it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what you do, you just gotta get out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I gotta tell, my dream was to become a pilot.
1: Pilot. A plane pilot. Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, I'm colorblind, so I couldn't make it. And I remember uh, this conversation with my father when I was in high school, uh, where he said, okay, what are you gonna do after high school? and I said what well, I want to become a pilot and he just hit on my on my head and said come on you know you cannot become a pilot because you're colorblind. right what are you gonna do and I say if I cannot be a pilot I don't know what I what I want to be and uh, I was uh, spending my uh, my vacations in uh, my mother's hometown it's a very very small village with cows mm-hmm. with, where uh, it's in Galicia mm-hmm. northern west of Spain mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's, I mean, it's in a farm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, cows, pigs, uh, uh, corn, uh, just, beautiful. Just, uh, yeah, that, that way of life. So my, fa- my father to help told me, okay, you like this kind of life. You, we come here in vacation, so uh, that's what I agricultural. became agricultural engineer. Uh huh. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> but uh, if he if he if he told me to be to become, I don't know, a painter, I would have become a painter <laughs> because my dream was to become a pilot. So, uh, okay, I just uh, went through my career while I was running in basketball. Uh-huh. And basketball just uh, uh, was all I was focused in, mm-hmm. really focused in. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, I'll go for it. Uh, it's, uh, I became the sports director for the youth team, And I remember that we built our first uh, residence for players coming from outside mm-hmm. of Madrid. And I was telling all of them that they could not quit studying just because they thought they were going to become uh, professional players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that that's something that in the USA, it's common because you go through college at the mm-hmm. same time you're playing, but that's not common here in, mm-hmm. in Spain. So uh, I found myself uh, telling everybody to do what I wasn't doing. It was, okay, you are already quitting your studies. So that's when my, change, uh, my mind changed and I said, okay, you got to finish. You promised your parents, you were telling everybody here that they could not, uh, mm-hmm. they could not quit. So you cannot do it. Also, so no. I, I said that I became an agriculture engineer. Engineer, uh, in in one academy that I attended on the summers, okay. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: where I just went for two or three uh, classes.
1: Uh, classes, yeah, uh-huh. and
0: then uh, went through the test, exams, passed them. Yes, two or three uh, every summer, Mm -hmm. and that's the way I I finished my career.
1: Okay, kind of like a professional player because I know I have teammates that they just take a couple classes every year, and little by little, eventually, they finish their degree. So, congratulations.
0: And it's also helped me in in a lot of other ways. I mean, right now, I I remember being an assistant coach for Real Madrid, and I was the one responsible for scouting the the opponents. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, computers started to to be a part of our lives. And there was no scouting uh, program software that fulfilled all of my needs. Mm -hmm. So having my engineer background, I learned how to uh, develop software and Mm -hmm. I developed my own scouting software. (laughs) So it served.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'd say so. Very impressive. Um, So you started with Benjamines, no? And then you were working with, I'm assuming, Infantil all the way up, I juniors, went. EVA. You were also the, were you the sports director for about eight years in Estudiantes. Yeah. When you look back on those beginning years, um, how do you think they helped you? What do you think you take away uh, from learning from young kids that maybe these little things, nuances, you use now with uh, senior players?
0: Well, I, re- I, I can really remember, I mean, I went through all the steps, all the categories. Yeah. Uh, and as I told you, while I was coaching and I went from uh, mini basketball uh, pre uh, under 13, under 14, under 15, under 16, I, I coached every category. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I was always being the assistant coach for an mm-hmm. older team. Okay. So while I was uh, coaching the under 14, I was the assistant coach for the under 18 and uh, all of those years. Were, uh, we're that way. I, I was also I was also being an assistant coach all the time I was coaching. Uh, I know it has helped me for sure. Yeah. But if I if I had to tell right now, <laughs> I remember the bad things. <laughs> I remember yelling at the kids, uh. which I wouldn't do right now. Yeah. Okay. Because I've learned a lot. Maybe uh, you pay your frustrations with your kids when they don't do the things that, the way uh, you think they should do it. Uh-huh. Now. Uh, I realized that uh, every every boy or every girl has its own uh, path. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have their own needs, so you just gotta help him, help them to grow, mm-hmm. but respecting their speed, mm-hmm. okay? And, and that's something that you learn while while you grow. <laughs> it wasn't that cl- that clear right. when I was young, okay?
1: Yeah, and as a coach, um, kind of in the same direction as as what you're talking about. Do you treat all your players the same, or certain players have certain needs and you have to learn how to, you know, how do I treat Jota to get the best out of Jota? How do I treat Leslie to get the best out of Leslie?
0: Look, one, uh, one thing I used to do, and I tell coaches that it's a, a, very th- a very good thing to do, is always ask your players why they play. And nobody usually does. But uh, I, uh, an answer to your question, and this is gonna be related, I never treat everybody the same. There are no privileges, but I cannot treat everybody the same because they're different people, mm-hmm. okay? And knowing why they play will help you treat them. I mean, I got kids that tell me, okay, I, I want to become Michael Jordan. I want to I be the best in the world. I want to uh, put the extra hours in my work, whatever. I want to become a very good player, okay? That's a dream, I know it's a dream. It's very difficult to become a mm-hmm. Michael Jordan. But then some, some of them tell you, well, basketball is okay, but I'm, I'm here not because of basketball, I'm here because my two best friends play basketball. So you cannot treat the same, the one that wants to become Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. that the one that's attending the team because he wants to be with his best friends all mm-hmm. the time. Okay, and knowing, knowing all those nuances helps you treat them. Okay, sure. it's, it's not that you give a privilege to anybody, but, uh, of course, <laughs> I, I cannot treat them the same. Mm-hmm. Okay? I think it's like uh, uh, treating your kids. Okay? Every kid is different. When you, get, when you get sons and daughters, it's like,
1: yeah. they're all
0: different. They're all my, my sons, <laughs> but they're all different. So mm-hmm. I guess I got to adapt myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the goal is always to have in mind that your real goal as a coach is to help every player to grow. And all of them to grow as a team. It's kind of a two-way, okay? And uh, if your goal is to make them grow, well, you got you always got different levels inside of the team. And this is the same for very young kids, the two pro level, hmm. it doesn't matter. But if you have that in mind, you're gonna adapt yourself, okay? Hmm. What do you need right now to, to make it to the next step? It's gonna be different than what uh, other player in your team needs, hmm. but I'm gonna adapt to your step right now To help you grow and when I'm attending the other one (laughs) I will adapt to his level okay to try to make him uh, grow Mm -hmm. also that's the way of doing things that's the way I think
1: easier said than done I think as a coach I mean you're not only a coach but you're almost like a psychologist at the same time uh, because you'll have 10 11 12 young men or young women under your control plus your uh, coaching staff and to be able to manage all those personalities so that they all are going in the same direction is not necessarily easy. And I'm curious to know, in your experience, uh, coaching at the highest level, you know, EuroLeague, you've been seven years? Seven years, seven years you coached uh, as an assistant in EuroLeague teams. How do you handle those challenges? Because I'm sure you have different personalities, different egos. Uh, that's not necessarily easy.
0: No, knowing them helps you a lot. And one of the things I learned during uh, my career is that when you lead by helping, you, you usually get the best of your players. When they when they feel that you try to help them, uh, they usually give their best. Of course, they got the, their own. Everybody has their own priorities, mm-hmm. and you gotta mix them all together to make the team better. But. When you are confident enough because they know you're trying to help them, you can talk about these things. Okay, uh, maybe uh, you're trying to become the best scorer, but if, if that doesn't help the team, I will tell you. I will try to make you a better scorer, but we're not going to look for 30 points because that doesn't help the team right now. And the team mm-hmm. is uh, over everything. Okay, but I'm going to try to make you a better scorer. Okay, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of mixing everything. For sure, you got problems. It's not, uh, it's not always perfect. But what I found is helping is the best way of living. Mm-hmm. Helping not only your players, helping your, uh, your staff, also your staff. I, uh, I, ca- I can say, and I'm proud of it, that most of the people that have worked with me, when I leave the team, because I'm fired or because we, uh, because I look for another uh, opportunities uh, elsewhere, they tell me, it's been incredible. Most of them. Not all, but mostly because you've opened a, a new world for me. Nobody has treated me like you did. Mm-hmm. You gave me a lot of uh, chances to grow myself inside of the team. It's helping. It's always helping.
1: Mm-hmm. That's, that's nice to hear because um, I think for a lot of people, their bosses aren't necessarily uh, thinking that way, you know, to, to help see how I can help you, you know, and not always what you can do for me. Um, so when you first entered EuroLeague, um, you had been coaching already for quite a few years. What feelings were running through your veins at that moment thinking, I have arrived at this point in my career. I'm going to be helping on a EuroLeague team. You know, were you telling your parents? Do your parents, do they understand the value or like the the grandiose um, deal that that is?
0: Yeah, they didn't. It was my second year in ACB, and you're going to be surprised. My first EuroLeague experience was with Estudiantes. We played the, the final the previous year. In my first year in ACB as an assistant coach, we played the final. We lost 3-2 against Barcelona. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we brought Barcelona to the limits, and it was so close to that we almost achieved it. But okay, we did it. We were the, we the runner-up uh, on that season, but that gave us the chance to play EuroLeague then at the next season. And it was amazing. I mean, you were playing the best basketball in Europe, and playing it with Estudiantes, where I grew up, was something special. Because later I played with Real Madrid. Real Madrid is used to play Euroleague. Estudiantes is not. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think it's a, it's only been two times that they played Euroleague. Uh, wow. They played a final four. <laughs> they even play a final for so, but it's incredible. But uh, being in that uh, in that league. With, uh, with the team where you grew up, for 15 years at that moment, it was amazing. It was like, I well, I guess, I guess you can think of it as a player. You see, when, when you're a player in, in one place where you have grown up and, uh, and you make it to, uh, to a special championship, it's like, it's, it's always a special, but do, uh, being able to live it on, your, on the place where you grew up,
1: mm-hmm. so
0: you cannot tell by words.
1: More work, though, right, because you're playing yeah. two competitions yeah. as a coach. You're balancing all the scouting reports. Um, you know, in that moment, I there probably weren't programs for scouting. You were still kind of using your yeah. own program. Yeah. But that's, uh, you're busy. You're definitely busy.
0: Yeah, you're, 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 uh, you're busy. You're really busy. But look what happens. Uh, you're a player. Players like to play. Being in two competitions, you play more, you practice less. You practice less. So for coaches, is we don't have uh, so much time to to practice the things we want to improve, but for players, it's it's even better because they spend more time on court playing, competing. That's what they like. Yeah. Okay. So it's all it it compensates.
1: (laughs) So after being able to coach side by side with some of these great coaches, Pablo Lozano, Pepu Hernandez. When you then become your own head coach, what do you think you took away from those other coaches to kind of form your own coaching philosophy? What would you say is your coaching philosophy?
0: I grew up in Estudiantes. I had a lot of ideas from people like Pepo Hernández, but Angel Goñi, who's one of the coaches that's been there for a lot of years. Now he's not, but he was kind of my mentor. In there, uh, then I was able to to, to be with uh, coaches like Ettore Messina. Ettore Messina changed my whole. Uh, I, I said it turned my, uh, my socks uh, all the way up down. Yeah, okay. it was like, that's a
1: saying that you use in Spanish? Yeah. Como es en español?
0: Le dio la vuelta mi calcetín Like he say turned it, it inside yeah, out? Yeah, that's okay. it. It's like,
1: like he turned my world upside down. That's it. It's
0: uh-huh. like I thought basketball was one thing, and being with Ettore Messina for two years, it was like...
1: It was like life before <laughs> and after. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. An, uh, and
0: okay. of course, I learned from all of my all of the coaches I assisted, but Ettore was the one that impacted mm. me the most. Okay. And I got a lot of things from Ettore right now. A lot of details from other coaches. Pablo Lasso uh, just showed me the way to treat the team, to not be, uh, not be angry when, when things go wrong, but to calm and uh, he's an specialist uh, doing that and uh, well when I when I coach myself as a as a head coach I just try to be myself with all the things I learned from all these coaches I assisted for sure Mm -hmm. and I I got things from all of them because I learned from
1: all of them so would you say that every year when you're a head coach, you adjust your style yeah. to the team that you have, or are you like you like to run and gun, you like uh, triangle offense, you like I mean, because you have to adjust every yeah. year. I'm assuming you know you that, can't always do the same thing. No, I got
0: my own style, but uh, let's say let's say it this way, I got my general rules. But inside my general rules, which I do not renounce to, I mean, uh, those are my general rules and I go with them uh, wherever I got to go. But inside that, I adapt to my players. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. It, it wouldn't be as smart to not do it so. Uh, every, every generation or every player you bring to the team is different. Mm-hmm. So I al- I'm always thinking it's, uh, in the tactics I, I provide to the team. Oh, I know I have my preferences. But I'm always thinking, okay, how how are we gonna take the best out of this player? How are we gonna take the best out of this other one? So we get sets, so everybody has his mm-hmm. own space inside of the team, mm-hmm. okay? And that's that's the way I adapt to my players. But uh, running is the is the way that I like my my teams to play, and Fast that's pace. mandatory. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: But it's, it's interesting for me to think about a role as a coach because over the past 30 years, basketball has changed a lot. Players have changed a lot. You've got four fives that are now shooting threes, uh, maybe even bringing the ball up the court. So for you, you also have to mentally adjust how you want to coach this basketball team because you're going to have big men that maybe want to do other things yeah and that's is that difficult as a coach to adjust your like what you view as basketball well, over like, the years that has to change the,
0: the thing is that I, I like everybody doing a lot of different things so i don't mind if the big guy is uh putting the ball on the floor and running the floor uh, mm-hmm. just to push the, the fast break up uh or a big guy shooting at uh, the same i don't i don't mind I, I i even like it when the when the small guy goes into the low post and he can play in the low post against uh, mm-hmm. his opponent so I think I've always think this way, so that's not that's not strange for me. In the pro level, it's true that sometimes not not too not too often, uh, because I don't like to forbid things for players. It's like I, I like to promote mm-hmm. the things I like or the things that uh, I think that are better for that player to to give something to the team, but uh, I don't like to forbid. Sometimes I had to do it, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it's when somebody. I don't know, uh, let's say somebody tells me, well, I, I want to I improve my low post uh, playing. And I say, okay, let's go for it. But then when we compete, every time we put the, bo- the ball in the low post with you and you try to play uh, backwards to the, to the basket, you, you miss the shot or you turn the ball over. So I don't want to forbid you uh, to play in the low post, but we also gotta be uh, giving something to the team. Mm-hmm. So we try to reach an agreement. It's okay. I I will let you play in the low post. I don't know, one time, if you do all other things for two times. <laughs> so it's kind of like A give and take. Yeah, give and take. Yeah. that's that's the way. Okay, and but usually, usually when uh, I usually ask the the players not not only why they play, but even with pro players, uh, when I meet them uh, on pre-season, I I ask them. What are the two things you would like to to improve this year, and what do you think you are really good when you're on court? Mm-hmm. Okay, And I have my own idea. When I ask this, I have my own picture of how that player is. So uh, he usually gives an answer, whatever, I'm a very good shooter. Okay, that's what you are really good on court doing? Okay. We'll promote that. I'm going to look for situations where you can shoot. Okay, And then he asks for those two things that he wants to improve, and I said okay, me and my assistant coaches, we're going to help you to try and improve that. Now, you wanna improve this? Don't let be the unique thing you do on court. Remember, you are very good shooting. So I will, I will give you the the, the thing you wanna improve, but give me the thing you're good at. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it's kind of a compensation, mm-hmm. and it usually works. Yeah, and it usually works really good.
1: Yeah, no, I, I like that. I like that communication, two-way communication, because not all coaches um, are willing to listen uh, to their players and willing to kind of meet in the middle. So. Um, yeah, I I, uh, uh,
0: I discovered this uh, listening to a marketing podcast, hmm. which is uh, it's a Steve uh, Steve Jobs quote. Uh, I hire the best so they can tell me what to do. If <laughs> so not,
1: surround yourself with smart people, <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: If not, I will I will hire the the cheapest one and I will tell them what to do.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. If you gotta tell your players what they gotta do, then you don't you don't have good enough players.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are the
0: ones that get express on court, yeah. <laughs> and you got to adapt to to the things they do, so they can uh, they can show themselves the talent mm-hmm. they have. Okay, and that's the way. If you do it that way, they're gonna be happy. If they're happy, when a when a person is happy, is when he outperforms. Mm-hmm. If you got somebody upset because he doesn't like the, the things that you tell them to do, mm-hmm. uh, he can do well, but he's not gonna be in his highest level.
1: Right, right. So. After all these years, what is next for Jota Cuspinera? What, what do you still want to accomplish? What uh, dreams or goals do you have that maybe you haven't been able to check off your list yet?
0: Okay, right now, uh, the first thing is coming back to courts. Uh, it's been, right now, one year since Estudiantes fired me. Uh, when we were fighting to promote uh, at the top of the qualification table, it was something that I still don't understand why it happened, but it happened. So it's one year. So the first thing is to come back uh, into a pro team and, and get back into the job. The second one is a dream I, I had seen uh, since I was uh, uh, an assistant coach in Euroleague is to become a Euroleague coach, head coach. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to be difficult because uh, I'm, I'm getting old, <laughs> but uh, I think that uh, you should never stop dreaming. It's never too late to. to, to, to I do don't think you're that time. old. What
1: are you? 1970, oh, right? Yeah,
0: 1970. That's yeah.
1: There, I mean, John Wooden. How old was he when he passed away, or when he stopped coaching? Well, I don't know. It's he, a, he much, was, much more, yeah. much more.
0: But getting the first chances, I think they, they usually come uh, earlier when you're younger. But uh, there are also uh, some exceptions where people get that mm-hmm. head coach position in a yearly team, maybe when they're 60.
1: Well, so, and you've got a lot of experience, so yeah. you've got more experience <laughs> than a younger coach. You know, there's yeah. a give and take there too. Yeah, okay. I keep dreaming
0: about it. Okay. That's my dream. That's my goal.
1: And you could use your English for sure in a Euroleague team yeah. and, and an ACB team, but yeah, I usually do.
0: Uh, this is uh, we're living in an era where uh, you got uh, people from a lot of different countries, and English is the common language. So mm-hmm. It helped me a lot.
1: Would you ever consider going to the United States?
0: I do. I know it's not easy. Uh, the way they uh, they do things, or they surround themselves by, by people they know. But uh, I got this, uh, I don't know how to say it. It's, uh, I kind of would like to see how they coach in the NBA because NBA is different from the rest of the, of the world. Just because of the rules they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, the rule of the three-second uh, in the paint for defense yeah. changes everything. Yeah. Okay, and for sure they got the best players in the world. So uh, I'm curious. That the word is, I'm mm-hmm. curious about how things work mm-hmm. from inside because I see the, the games. Okay, but how they do things from the inside, that's something that I'm curious about and I would like to live. I know it's not easy, but something that uh, that could also be a dream. Mm-hmm.
1: So you would do, you are open to EuroLeague, not just within Spain, but you would be yeah, free to go into Germany, France, wherever.
0: If it's EuroLeague. If it's EuroLeague, sign matter. me up.
1: Okay. Doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Um, another question I have is lots of times basketball coaches from my opinion, it seems like they're just basketball, 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 right? Eat, drink, sleep, breathe basketball. What do you do in your free time? Because I I know that you're kind of an interesting guy. You're you're curious about lots of things. What do you do in your free time?
0: Well, the first thing, uh, I I run uh, basketball courses for for other coaches online. Uh, Right now, I'm I'm learning uh, 3D animation because I run those courses with, with animations, with 3D animations. It takes a lot of time, but it's so funny. <laughs> and nobody does it. So I like to be unique. <laughs> okay, and uh, I'm focused on that. And also because that's also basketball. Uh, I, I got my first guitar four years ago when I was 49. And I'm playing guitar. I started to play the drums this year. Mm-hmm. I've composed my, my first song... Uh, well, I uh, I presented to the to the public uh, one month ago.
1: In Spanish uh, or, in English, no, in, English or? English. in English? In English. Okay. Uh, and, and, it, and
0: it's curious because uh, it's my, uh, the title. It's uh, miles to think.
1: Miles? It, miles
0: to, to think. think. Yeah. Okay. It, it comes from uh, when I get when I get fired from any professional uh, position in basketball. I usually got, get a lot of calls to attend clinics uh, all around Spain. So I drive. I get into the car uh. and I drive and <laughs> well you're on the car think. it's 5 hours a ride yep. uh, you start to think uh-huh. and that's that's when the idea came miles okay. to think okay? okay because you think why you're out of the team why you were fired I- if you like the life you're living it's so questions at that time you're uh, you're unemployed yeah <laughs> so yep. uh, your mind just uh, rumbles around and, and you start thinking so many things that's what uh, the, the song came okay. came from uh i'm now uh, composing or component my my second one which is it's never too late to start. Okay. <laughs> because I started on music uh, when I was 49. Uh-huh. So and if somebody told me I was going to have my own song 3 years ago I would say you're crazy we can have a lot of beers and, <laughs> and laugh a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's becoming true. So I like it. I mean I'm not a pro. I'm, I'm very bad. I'm a, I'm beginning with the guitar uh-huh. also with the drums. Don't expect anything special, yeah. but I love it. I enjoy it so much, so much. And you said, and I and I believe that's true. When you focus only on one thing, uh, your uh, your performance mm-hmm. at one point starts to decrease. You overload, so you need to open mm-hmm. your mind to other things, just to give a little a little air mm-hmm. uh, to breathe <laughs> mm-hmm. and think different things. Because I, I I believe I really believe that then the time you dedicate to your profession Mm -hmm. it's it's a higher performance one
1: yeah well this podcast is called another season in the books um which means you know another season kind of studying and playing at the same time so when your players uh you know on a EuroLeague team or an ACB team when you know that you have players on your team that are also maybe studying or doing something else um I'm sure that you, you support them. Obviously, you want them to be 100% focused and physically rested to play. But at the same time, uh, you probably appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Uh, look, I don't know
1: how common it is at that level, but. Well, uh, it's
0: not so common. Hmm. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you uh, two stories I lived. The first one uh, was uh, I played with, uh, with a guy uh, when I was a junior in Estudiantes, uh, he was 211. Uh, I don't know how much that's in uh, More than
1: seven feet, I'm assuming. It's almost,
0: almost seven feet. Yeah. Okay. He played like a polling guard at that moment. Uh, this was th- uh, three years ago. Well. Okay. He was incredible. We all knew that he was going to make it to the pros, but he had a heart disease. What happened is that when he was going to sign his first professional contract, uh, the, the doctors say he could not do it because at that point he would risk his life. Hmm. I remember that the club paid uh, the surgery in Houston, and because he never stopped studying, he stayed in the states hmm. to go to college after the surgery. Uh. And now uh, he lives since uh, since that uh, since that point in, in the United States. Hmm. He's got uh, his own career, and I always remember that because when when somebody when some player tells me, "Well, I'm gonna earn a lot of money," you never know you when never. you get a disease or you get an injury that's gonna retire you. Uh, Luckily enough, it won't happen. But mm-hmm. if it happens, it depends on when it happens, it can kill your life. Okay? And so that's why I support everybody that uh, at the same time they're playing, like my parents told me, go slowly. doesn't matter, but finish it.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay?
0: Because you never know when you're going to need it.
1: Sin okay. prisa, pero yeah. sin pausa. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm.
0: That's it. So that's, uh, that's one of, of the things I always remind everybody. The other one is uh, Pepo Hernández a common friend of, of him and, and mine, uh, they founded uh, this organization where they help uh, professional sport people, not, not only basketball, anything, uh, to think about their future when they retire in terms of, uh, uh, of money, of how, the, how they can save, how they can invest, so they can take the best out of the money they make out of sports. And I remember in the presentation of that organization, there was a, a Spanish uh, female basketball player, uh, which is Amaya Valdemoro, and there was a boxing, uh, boxing guy. I can't remember his name, but he was very famous here in Spain. Okay, and they say they they, they, they told the, the audience, they said uh, they always tell you all your all the people surrounding you. They always tell you, you gotta think on the day you do retire, in terms of finances and all. But they both recognize, you never really think on that until you are on the bus on the way back, which means where you are already retired, oh. and that's too late.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, you should start <laughs> thinking about it before, right? Before, Yeah.
0: before. Yeah. And, uh, and both of them, they made a lot of money, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of uh, sports people that don't make that amount of money, mm-hmm. and it's even more important for them. It's important for everybody. Mm-hmm. So having an open mind that, okay, I'm gonna live my dream. Uh, I'm gonna make a lot of money uh, related to the money that a normal uh, normal people make in uh, regular businesses. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that's not gonna last forever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> there's gonna be the day where you retire. Next month, there's not the check mm-hmm. coming in. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what are you gonna do?
1: Yeah, or an injury, yeah. or yep. yep. That's the
0: worst part. It's uh because if you go through all your career, you 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 earn a lot of money and okay, you decide how to spend it. Uh, it's better if you're prepared to know how you can, you can mm-hmm. save money, invest, and all those kind of things. But when it happens in a moment where you have uh, quit on a lot of important things,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you're, you're, uh, you're, how you said, you are behind everybody else of mm-hmm. your age. And I, al- I always say, when, if you retire when you're 35, I don't know, 40, doesn't matter. When you want to join the, the regular jobs... Uh, in the in society mm-hmm. you're 20 years behind behind because you have no experience in that
1: it's difficult <laughs> it's, it's difficult, very difficult as a professional athlete because we yeah. spend so much of our time dedicating dedicated to our sport and uh, trying to be the best we can be and then
0: and you're uh, uh, and if you're lucky enough you're always on TV everybody recognizes you and then one day Become a normal, a normal guy.
1: Nobody's asking about Nobody's you. Asking. Nobody's wanting to interview you. That's a change of habits, yeah. and that's very tough.
0: Yeah, and you gotta be ready for that. Mm-hmm. That's it's kind of like uh, when I when I arrived with Pep Hernandez to the ACB team when he brought me as an assistant coach, he told me, "Hote, you gotta be ready for one thing. You can only, uh, you've been always coming one step farther, under 14, under 15, under 15, under 16. From here, the only place you are going to go." It's down. It's out of here.
1: <laughs> it's out.
0: You're going to be fired. Yeah. Sometime. Oh. And you got to be ready for that. And it's not easy. And I always remember that because uh, I've been fired four times right now. The first one was, uh, Well, I, I don't know if I got into a deep depression. I didn't, but I almost did. Mm. I know I, I, I went through it five years later mm. when I stopped dreaming about it. Mm. <laughs> The other ones are, are less uh, harmful, they, but we're always upset with it. You're you're never ready.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, like they say, the it's easy. What's the easiest thing to do? Fire the coach or or get rid of the team? And obviously, the easiest thing to do is fire the coach. But um, coaching is really hard. I don't know if people realize that. But to come in and in one year fix things or do something great is nearly impossible I mean so many things have to come together for that to happen so I'm assuming you as a coach you would like to go somewhere where you feel supported and you can be there for multiple years to kind of create something no like like a agricultural engineer to farm it to grow it you know to to produce
0: everything takes time Uh, if if you want to grow it takes time it's not going to happen from one day to the other Mm -hmm. it's gonna it's gonna happen through months (laughs) even years sometimes and you gotta be ready for that. And uh, I got this quote that I really like. Is uh, and I, I, I'm gonna try to say it in English. I'm gonna say if uh, if I'm if not, I will say it in Spanish, and you help me translate. Okay. Is it. we we always uh, uh, overestimate what we can do in a year. It's like we, we think we that overestimate. Do, yeah. Okay. W- we think that we can do more things in one year that we can really do. Uh-huh. But we usually underestimate what we can do in ten years. Uh-huh. And I love that quote. Because it's looking in the longer term, uh-huh. you're able to do things that you cannot even believe I- I right imagine, now. Yeah. Okay, uh, building a team, right? I know that professionals live from the results. But sometimes they, they got, a, we call a, here in Spain, uh, they pull the trigger too fast. It's like uh, you didn't even give time mm-hmm. for anything to settle down. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you're, you're already expecting the team to, I don't know, to do. To do things that teams that have been uh, working together for five years are not even achieving. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what I would like—a a project where the pe- the people that hire me understand that it needs time
1: mm-hmm. to,
0: to build everything. Yeah. Okay, and be calm when things are because you you have been a professional player. Okay, during the season, there's gonna be moments where things are gonna go wrong mm-hmm. or not as as good as you right. would expected. Okay so at that moment you got to support the people you have in your team. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's it's also it's the same for a coach with the uh, with the players but it should be the same for the club with the coach.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay
0: you cannot expect all the time everything going perfect. That's not going to happen anywhere. No. <laughs> no. So it, it depends on, on how calm you are at the bad moments that you're going to stay together, yeah. make it grow or you're going to fire someone and there there are teams right now. Uh, They have, I don't know, 20 20 coaches in 10 years. So where are you going to build?
1: There's no consistency. (laughs) Nothing. Yeah.
0: It's like if if at any given time you achieve something you like, it's going to be a lucky thing.
1: Yeah. But do you think it's just so difficult, especially in EuroLeague or on the men's side, because there's more money involved, and so people feel like, oh, we're not getting the results you know yeah, we're know. wasting money and yeah. it. I can kind of understand that but it makes life uh, it's just very difficult yeah
0: yeah I know I know the the, the money the money fact it's, it's, a, it's a real fact
1: it's a factor yeah Yeah,
0: if, if you if you make it to a higher position you're gonna receive more income which will help you to, to build a better a better project <laughs> or a better team because mm-hmm. you will be able to hire better players but uh well, you know, here here pressure. in Europe, we got this, uh, especially in ACB, uh, this relegation and promotion thing, uh, which uh, uh,
1: going down a level yeah. or going up a level, yeah, yeah,
0: which makes things even harder, because everybody, well, nobody wants to 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 relegate, okay. So when they feel that they they can be in a relegation position, they, they get they start to get nervous. But I always say. Whatever happens, there are gonna two teams that are gonna relegate, and there's gonna there's gonna be one that's gonna become the champion.
1: Everybody else? <laughs> that's
0: that's the way it works. And you gotta live with it. I mean, uh, even if everybody, let, let's say, let's let's be in a situation where all the teams are playing even above their expectations. Even in that situation, there are two teams that are gonna relegate.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep totalmente yeah
0: so that's hard in the, in, the, in the United States you got a close uh, a closed league so sometimes that helps to build a project uh. to build a project because you know that you have I don't know two three years to mm-hmm. try to build what you're trying to build mm-hmm. okay and there are gonna be changes during the year that's that's normal okay but when you you make just little adjustments you you're on the path of what you thought you want you want to become
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> when you're changing 10 players every year, that's not a project. That's yeah. a, that's a starting a new project every year.
1: Every year, yeah. virtually impossible. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jota, is there is there something else you want to talk about um, that we didn't cover? Something that you really want people to know?
0: Oh, well, if, if I got the uh, basketball coaches listening, or you got a friend that's a basketball coach, well, uh, the thing is that they gotta know Spanish because I did I haven't done it in English. Uh, my courses are related to spacing and, uh, and tactics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I specialize in the group part of, of playing basketball. Uh, it's not because I, I build them. Uh, I, I really think they're very good. And that's, uh, that's the feedback I have uh, mm-hmm. from all the students that enroll in my courses. So if you, if you know Spanish and you want to learn mm-hmm. about tactics and spacing, mm-hmm. uh, go to, well, this is in English, basketballinsights.com
1: basketball insights.com Insights. okay.
0: and you will see the, the courses there Okay, and I will be glad if anybody joins the, the courses
1: I have. Fabulous. Um, well at the end of my podcast I always like to ask a couple personal questions just because I yeah. think it's interesting. Um, what was your favorite board game and television show as a little kid?
0: Board game can you translate it to, uh, to Spanish? Juego de Mesa? Okay, uh, I, I wasn't a big fan
1: okay. <laughs> of boy <board> games. <laughs> okay,
0: but I guess uh, here in Spain it was called Parchís.
1: Parchís, Okay. I don't know if, okay. Yeah, I've heard it of is? it. Okay. Um, I think it's similar in English. Yeah. Okay. And television show? So Did you watch anything? Show, well, Cartoons or?
0: There, there were a lot. I would have to think. I remember uh, a comedy show that was called The Ropers. The Ropers. It was a British show. Okay. It was an a old uh, couple <laughs> living in a British house, and it was the daily daily life yeah. from an old couple, and it was so funny. Uh, <laughs> in English. Was, yeah. Okay. Well, I I, I I I listened to it in in Spanish, but it was okay. a British show. And it was the the, the Ropers R O P E R S. Yeah, the Ropers. Ropers.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> and, uh, I remember that. Uh, I laughed a lot all my all s- uh, Sundays evening. That's when. Okay. They appeared on TV. That's that's one of the of the ones I love.
1: And tell me three things that you usually have on your bedside table. <laughs> my tablet. Oh. Uh, chewing gum. <laughs> what flavor?
0: Uh, usually, uh, menta. We got it given in Spain. Mint. Mint. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, one other thing, my telephone. Uh, I would like to get rid of it, but I never did.
1: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's become kind of a necessity yeah. in today's world. Yeah. But um,
0: usually, I had, uh, I had, I, I used to have books. Now I change the books for the tablet. I read on the tablet. Okay,
1: you read on the tablet. Yes. Yeah. I know books. They accumulate a lot of space. You got to have a lot of space well, in your house if I you gotta, want. You have a library?
0: Yeah, I got a lot of books. A lot of books.
1: Mostly <laughs> basketball books, or yeah, little a little bit of everything. I got
0: uh, no. Uh, there, I don't have so many related to basketball. I have a few, mm-hmm. but not that many. It's really to uh, science, psychology. Uh, this kind of uh, how you say it's uh, personal growth
1: mm-hmm.
0: things. Although all those kind of stuff, just mm-hmm. feel my philosophy even. Okay. I got, a, got a, a lot of different books. Uh, I love science, so I have a lot of physics and those kind of things. Okay. Quantum mechanics, uh, <laughs> relativity. <laughs>
1: One more question. Um, when you are on a team, do you usually have a psychologist with yeah. you?
0: Since I, uh, since I started coaching uh, as a head coach and, uh, in pro level. Uh-huh. That was uh, seven or eight years ago. Uh, I've been working with a uh, psychologist by my side okay uh, he just emailed me. it was my second it was my second season uh, I believe in this Pygmalion effect where if you believe something really really hard it's gonna become true uh-huh. and I was thinking I, I we had a very good season uh, on my first uh, coaching season and my head just was telling me that the second one was gonna be a disaster so believing that the Pygmalion effect is real Uh, this guy just contacted me by email he said you don't know me I know you and I think that I can help uh, the team to become better Hmm. and he wanted to have a meeting and well he I said he says he doesn't know that I'm having these these thoughts right now and I said okay let's let's meet we perfectly matched in 10 minutes. So I hmm. said, okay, we're, we're starting to work together. And I told him about my thoughts. He helped me to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And since then, uh, he worked uh, from outside the court. I, I, I've only had him in court on the last season in Estudiantes. All the other ones, he watches the, the team from outside. It's not the, the best thing, but he's outside. Uh, helping me to... Uh, to Navigate? Yeah, uh, to achieve the behaviors we want from a particular player. Okay, uh, he, he, he watches the player interact mm-hmm. with all the team, the things he does, with, uh, even with the coaches, and he, he gives me a plan mm-hmm. to, to try to, uh, to change his behavior, mm-hmm. to help him be better. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know, it's kind yeah. of, I don't know, somebody, somebody, yeah, somebody gets frustrated every time he misses. Okay, so he evaluates why that happens, how we reinforce that behavior without knowing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he he delivers a plan to okay when that happens I don't know like with a kid don't pay any attention any attention but not only you nobody in the team okay so it's like okay we got a plan ahead when this guy misses and he, he starts getting out of his mind mm-hmm. to help him don't pay him attention when he says I'm missing <laughs> don't even look at him <laughs> all this kind of stuff okay and uh, the last season I I convinced the students to uh, so he can be inside of the team, uh-huh. uh, then his work is even better uh-huh. because he can talk to the players, right. okay? And he's got even more information to help them. I know that at the beginning uh, they were a little bit reluctant to, to get uh, related the to players? them. players? Yeah. But okay. then uh, when the season started developing, uh, a lot of players uh, were having conversations with him to, uh-huh.
1: to yeah. be helped. Yeah, no, I think it's great, and I think uh, you know, mental health and sports psychologists are going to be more something of the norm uh, yeah, in the future. I know a lot of players that have their own um, sport coach that they talk to on the side, so I think it's important, yep. and it can only help. So
0: yeah, he has helped me a lot, not only with my thoughts or when I'm having a, a bad time, we mm-hmm. talk, but also helping me be better. I remember, uh, I remember, I, I'm that kind of coach that stays. Uh, so all, the, all the game going up and down. Pacing? Uh, yeah. All, all <laughs> uh, and he says, uh, wh- when you ask your players to control their activation, do you think that going up and down every time helps them? Mm. I, I never thought about it. And he, he told me, okay, you cannot change the way you are, but find the times where you sit for two minutes mm. and you don't go up and down. That will help your players. Mm. And it was like, really? Mm. <laughs> And it's real. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. When you see your coach is calm. Yeah,
0: yeah. it comes. It transmits
1: yeah. tranquility to everybody else.
0: It's like when you're asking uh, when you're asking your players on a timeout to be cla- ca- calm, sure. yelling. And you're yelling at them. Yelling. And you're
1: throwing your pencil or your. Be pencil. calm. <laughs> it's like you're asking to be calm, or, or you're out of
0: your <laughs> out of your mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Like, well, it, it makes no sense. So when somebody tells you about those things, mm-hmm. you say, you're, you're absolutely right. Yep. So i got to control myself if I want them to control themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Jota, this was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for letting me interview you. So, uh, I feel very fortunate to pick your brain. And uh, hopefully we can be calm the rest of the day. It's a <laughs> beautiful day. Beautiful and, place. Uh, yeah, beautiful place. And good luck yeah, uh, in the future. Much. I wish you nothing but the best.
0: Thank you very much, it's been a real pleasure. I enjoyed it a lot.
1: All right, everyone, that's a wrap with Jota Cuspinera. I hope you enjoyed our chat. And remember, if you speak Spanish, head on over to his website, basketballinsights.com, and check out everything he has to offer. You can even contact him through his website, so feel free to reach out to Jota in English. Thank you for listening, and before you go, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and throw this one-woman show a five-star review. All right, everybody, thank you, take care, and until next time, ciao.